0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Average 2 Elite Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today is a solo episode where I want to talk you through the strategies of how to improve body composition during a season. So, lockdown has uh, clearly changed with regards to the exit strategy, um, and therefore, competitions, events... Uh, games, all this kind of great stuff, have now been scheduled, and ultimately, a lot of athletes are getting excited uh, about competing again. But perhaps aren't in the best physical condition because perhaps just barely head in the sand a little bit of the last sort of twelve months, and now this kind of urgency has uh, come about, and it's like, oh shit, I kind of need to get down and get to work. So, obviously, it depends on what when your competition is for. Uh, you do have some time to sort of improve body composition or whatever your uh, physical uh, development goals are. But there may be a case that you make great progress, but don't quite finish everything by the time season starts uh, or by the time the competition comes about. So ultimately, when it comes to improving body composition during the season, this perhaps isn't the best thing or best idea to be chasing ideally, in-season is all about performance, okay? So we have performance as the primary objective with body, body composition as a secondary objective. When we're we looking at off-season or pre-season, we perhaps have body composition as a primary objective and then your performance takes the back seat and that's the secondary objective, okay? Reason being, because when we sort of push aggressively with body composition and this is either fat loss or muscle growth, you're going to experience some compromises and trade-offs with regards to performance, recovery, freshness, well being, and all that kind of stuff. So when we look at approaching this in the off season or pre-season where there's no urgent competition demands and no urgency to be feeling at your best, we can kind of run a few sort of compromises in terms of, again, performance, recovery, daily freshness, fatigue, uh, running a little bit, soreness, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter too much. But when we're looking at competing, we need to be at our very best. So ultimately, long story short, we should be doing the bulk of our body composition changes in in-season, oh, sorry, off-season or pre-season. During lockdown, we have had the longest pre, pre-season or off-season to date. So hopefully we make great progress. But if we haven't, do not worry, we're gonna talk through the strategy of how to achieve this today, okay? Now, we can split this into two sections. So part one, fat loss, part two, muscle gain. So first and foremost, we know with a fat loss phase, it involves a calorie restriction. I we need to consume fewer calories, than we expend. Fat loss, one, one. Now, being in a big calorie deficit is not conducive to optimizing performance. The two do not go hand in hand. Generally speaking, the further south you move from maintenance, the more compromising and trade-offs you're going to experience. And again, this is surrounding, again, physical, mental performance, recovery, freshness, and the list kind of goes on. Essentially, every element of uh, well-being and performance hits the fan, the bigger the deficit you go into. So ultimately, when we're thinking about being at our very best for competition, we do not want to be running a deficit. Okay. So we really need to think about our weekly periodization and make sure this is like super tight and being really proactive with the planning. So I'm going to um, use a rugby player as an example. So probably no shock there. So say, example, they have a Saturday game, all of a sudden they've got, they've lost two days of the week where they could be in a calorie deficit. So, in the perfect world, in preseason, off season, you could run a calorie deficit every single day of the week. You know, seven out of seven days, perfect. But when we're in season, this automatically reduces to five out of seven days because game day minus one is your higher carbohydrate intake to fuel and support performance the next day, and then game day itself, you have a high carbohydrate again, high amount of calories to support performance and recovery. So those two days are your performance days. Okay. Now, the remainder of the week, we can run a calorie deficit. The magnitude and extent of this calorie deficit is dependent on how you feel. So what are those KPIs like? So at optimal kind of conditions for Saturday kickoff, you'd run game day minus one, high carb performance phase. Game day is again, high carb performance phase. Sunday, you can drop back into body composition goal and you can push that out until uh, the following sort of Friday morning, where you're carbon up again. So you can run five days deficit. So it's this blast and cruise kind of approach, almost like an on off switch. So you push aggressively with um, your fat loss phase and a calorie deficit. Then a weekend comes, you pull back on that to maintenance, push forward with performance. It's like this on off um, approach over the course of the season. But that I means progress is going to be slower because you're missing two days out of the week when you're not in the deficit, but you can still make progress there. Now, the extent of the calorie deficit throughout this, um, perhaps Sunday through to uh, Friday morning, is again, depending on how you are feeling, what your KPIs in terms of your performance, your recovery, all that kind of stuff. If, for example, you play a sport like rugby, um, game day plus one is quite an important day to keep calories relatively elevated uh, cause I was just going to support not only the replenishment side of things, but also ensuring that we're in more of an anabolic state, higher calories to support muscle brain synthesis and growth and everything like that. Uh, and remodeling and repair. Now with a sport like rugby cause the collision is going to be so much greater than other sports. You can have lots of muscle damage and research has shown the recovery phase from rugby can be up to like five days in terms of muscle brain synthesis, inflammation, all that kind of stuff. So, it's kind of the case of if we're running a calorie deficit throughout the week, this is just going to compromise the recovery process. But if you're placing a high amount of emphasis on your post-game recovery strategies, then we can negate this quite a lot. We can actually get a lot of the recovery process done there. And therefore, if we are more fresh on the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and so on, then we could perhaps run a bigger energy deficit and make uh, better results that way the one the reason one of the issues I do see is when players do not put enough calories back in after they end up playing, um, so they under eat on that day and they create quite a big energy deficit. Then the next day they're ravenous, they feel like shit and they end up overeating. And then it's kind of a messy kind of cycle that they kind of get into. It's not a, a very efficient way of doing things. Um but ultimately if someone is very sore after a game of rugby or any sport I would be hesitant of running a big energy deficit because I, like I said, it's just going to make things worse. So this is why it's really important to acknowledge and be adaptable based on how you are feeling. Um, so we have kind of like this pre-planned strategy, but let's be prepared to pivot again, based on those KPIs, how are you feeling? If you feel great, let's run a big energy deficit. If you feel like shit, if you feel like beaten up, like you've been hit by a bus, let's pull that towards maintenance again we have this kind of locked in strategy of two days perform five days kind of fat loss, but that some cases could look like two days perform two days, recover our maintenance, and then you're going to run maybe uh, two, three days in a deficit. Again, it is really a case of how, how you're feeling, but as long as you have some form of strategy of this kind of blasting cruise, uh, that's ultimately going to be a really good uh, approach there. What I actually like about, um, this kind of approach as well is if you've got a little bit of food focus from a dieting phase, um, you can pretty much negate this really quite easily with a performance phase, which is great. So if you example, again, I'll use a, a rugby play, uh, player here. If they wanna hit like six grams per kilogram on a carb load and they weigh hundred kilos, that's 600 grams of carbs you run 600 grams of carbs once a week, your food focus is going to be pretty low um, for a couple of days after. And then on the Saturday and game day, yes, you know my approach to the law of halves going into a game, um, which I don't actually like you eating that much before a game. If you're doing a big sort of carb load the day before, again, uh, check out previous podcast episodes surrounding my my approach here. Um, So if you have, say, a three o'clock kickoff, by the time you finish the game, like sort of five, half, five, you probably haven't eaten that much food that day, but you've expended a shitload of energy. So we can actually fit in a nice kind of flexi meal here. So most likely after a game, your appetite is quite poor and we know we can get a heightened uh, rates of recovery in the first perhaps four hours after kind of playing or any form of demanding depleting exercise. So let's capitalize on this by putting in some kind of flexible kind of foods, pizzas, all that kind of stuff work great after a game. So not only are you going to use this period now to minimize energy deficit, accelerate recovery, but it's going to really help support food focus and then kind of running into the Sunday and rest of the week. You know, you've had two big days of eating again. This isn't these two days aren't in a calorie surplus. They're pretty much just running out maintenance, right? So they're this sort of five days of the week. We could run an energy deficit, um, assume like our KPIs are fine, but the food focus could be far more manageable. I know from previous experience when say my last kind of fat loss phase, uh, I was running quite a big energy deficit throughout the week and then on the mountain bike for the weekends, which I'll be on maybe three or four hours on the bike ride, uh, big expenditure. And therefore I was doing an eight gram per kilogram carb the day before. This These two days out of the seven really helped with my food focus. And therefore I can adhere to a bigger calorie deficit throughout the course of the week. If I didn't have those days, um there's two kind of performance days and i just ran that big energy deficit for weeks on end um yeah my f- physiological and psychological state would be um not in the best place and therefore that would potentially uh compromise my kpis and uh, lead to falling off the wagon so to speak through uh unplanned eating episodes which is very which is the main thing we want to avoid here if we're gonna have high calories um we want to have them pre-planned in we don't want them to be reactive unplanned eating episodes binging episodes and stuff like that okay so we know this happens with the dieting phase food focus definitely does increase so how can we acknowledge it and put it into our uh performance plan for the week now when we're looking at rates of fat loss if you weren't if you didn't have this competition on the weekend or in season or whatever we will probably look at run about one percent loss in body weight via body fat per week. If you run a greater calorie deficit than that, most likely your KPI is gonna be um, really score really poor. I one to five out of ten the shit zone which we don't wanna be in. But uh, if you've got a competition on the weekend and you try running that one percent loss per week, know that two of those days are gonna be much higher calories then you're probably going to have to run a much bigger deficit throughout that sort of training week. And therefore that's going to further worsen your training performance, energy levels, uh, food focus, your recovery, adaptation, all that kind of stuff. So if you did have urgent body composition goals and you did have to run a big energy deficit throughout the week, just be really mindful of this. We know that if you run a big energy deficit throughout the week, with a good carb load on game day minus one or race day minus one or whatever it is, we can fully replenish from the space of, you know, 24 to 36 hours. So there's no issues there from a fueling perspective and being at your best come the weekend. Yes. You may run a little bit more residual fatigue, but from a fueling perspective, either the amount of carb we can get in the muscle that won't be, that won't negatively impact performance, um, or you could just run like a more of a moderate energy deficit throughout the week, lose 0.5% of body weight, five body fat on average. Um, and therefore, life is far more manageable uh, from you from that perspective. And I, one question I do get asked quite a lot is about uh, carbohydrate cycling diets. Um, you know, are they beneficial? All that kind of stuff. Well, if you kind of think about your week in general, in um, definitely this approach, you are carbohydrate cycling um there's no magic to carbide recycling like it doesn't accelerate fat loss um but it really does support one food focus and two fueling if you put them on the correct days so just to kind of conclude on that kind of approach there we need to be very proactive with planning our weeks knowing where what performance days what the performance days are so i game day minus one game day and if we have any more um or should we say training sessions within the week with higher priority. So performance training sessions and stuff like that. So maybe let's allocate more alloc- more calories to those performance days, and then let's pull back uh, on the remaining days to create that energy deficit. Ultimately, to make this approach a success, we have to be very proactive with the planning of your food. You cannot do this successfully with a reactive approach. It just will not happen at all. But if you do it properly and the meal planning is on point, you forecast the week, you know what your calorie budget is, you know what you're going to aim for that week, but then know and acknowledge your KPIs. Again, performance, recovery, freshness, fatigue, um, mood, libido, all that kind of stuff. As long as you're managing them and you acknowledge them and you're prepared to adapt accordingly based um, on how they're scoring, then you're an absolute winner. That's perfect. Uh, But ultimately... Uh, you should do this in off-season and pre-season. But if you have either a little bit to tie up uh, going into the season and last for a couple of kilos, or you just haven't done anything at all and you're starting your fat loss phase at the start of season, then that's the approach you will take. Ultimately, with any calorie restriction, there's going to be compromises, there's going to be trade-offs, and it's just how you best manage them uh, to get the best of both. Then if we flip the goal into muscle building the narrative stays exactly the same so we still need to maximize our off season and pre-season when it comes to building muscle now unlike fat loss which could be quite a rapid process muscle building is a slow process and this very much needs to fit in the long-term athletic development plan So instead of looking at weeks to months, we're looking at months to years because that's how long it really takes to build a significant amount of muscle that's going to have a meaningful impact in your performance. So when we look at rates of muscle growth, first and foremost, it's very much down to your training age and training experience. If you are a novice or intermediate lifter, uh, you're looking at muscle growth rates of about 1% gain in body mass per month. Or should we say one to two percent gain in body mass per month. Now, when you become more experienced, so moving to that sub-elite to elite level, muscle rates, muscle growth rates are going to be far reduced. So you're going to look at zero point five to one percent gain in body mass per month. So it's far, far, far um, slower. And this is under perfect conditions when you're just doing hypertrophy style training sessions, i.e. bodybuilding style training sessions when you don't have any sports-specific training interfering or any competitions interfering. So we know that when you're lifting weights progressively and you're chasing progressive overload on a weekly basis, you're going to accrue some fatigue. So muscle soreness is going to happen. Therefore, muscle function is going to go down and your ability to produce the same amount of force is going to go down as well. So if you're running a high training volumes and intensities, throughout the say competition period, um, you're just gonna impair and compromise your ability to play out and, and perform at your best. So we need really need to maximize off-season and preseasons as most as possible uh, because um this is the prime time to do it. Now we're not gonna be able to achieve um muscle building goals in the space of two to three, four months pre-season/slash off season um this is going to be like again one to two years so we need to acknowledge this first and foremost zoom out let's plan the whole year when can you push aggressively with muscle building and when do we need to pull back um now when you're in season you know it depends what your tra- um your competition schedules like in some cases you may only get two top end three high quality weight training sessions in per week where off-season, pre-season, you might be pushing five to six. Now, with the reduced frequency of training, there's a less of a stimulus and therefore lesser adaptation. And therefore, those rates of muscle worth are probably going to drop down by about 50%. Um, so just take a rugby player, for example, again, if they're playing on a Saturday. So Monday, they're going to be feeling pretty beat up still from the weekend. So it might just be a light gym session to get them moving. There's not going to be any real stimulus to drive adaptation there. Um Tuesday they're going to feel a little bit better therefore they can actually get a quite progressive weight training session in. Wednesday typically would be some form of rest day Thursday again they could probably do a heavy gym session then you're into game day minus one you're not going to be doing anything progressive in the, in the weight room 24 to 30 hours before playing and then game day same thing again you're not going to be in the weight room game day plus one maybe that's Sunday you're going to feel pretty beaten up like you've been hit by a bus so you're not going to be doing anything there And then you're rolling around back into Monday. So in that kind of scenario, you're only really lifting weights progressively twice per week. Like, yes, we can still maximally adapt from those two weight training sessions per week. But if you've been used to doing five to six a week, you know, rates of muscle growth are going to be far reduced. Okay. So we just need to appreciate that. So again, it comes down to that blast and cruise approach in season we're probably going to be a little bit more cruise approach with muscle growth. Yes, we can make some progress, but performance is still priority number one. Objective number one, where body composition is objective number two. Like if I I had to reflect back to last season with um, the Gaelic um, football season, the season uh, post-COVID was ridiculous. It's so so congested. Uh, just because they had to fit all the games in. I think uh, Player Welfare kind of went out the window there a little bit, uh, where they're pretty much playing Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday all the time. And they're going from a case of game day minus one into game day, game day plus one, then it's like a normal day. They could do whatever they want there. Then it's straight back into game day minus one, game day, game day plus one. It's like this never-ending cycle for weeks on end. So... In that kind of scenario, there's no chance of doing any body composition related goals. It is always performance recovery, performance recovery, performance recovery, and it's really important to understand that their recovery from one game is actually the fueling and preparation for the next. It all tied in uh, into one kind of uh, ebb and flow kind of uh, motion. You know, um, it wasn't a case of like this is game day, this is your training week. It was all just merged into one. So in that context, you couldn't really do anything body composition wise. But if we reflect back into like a normal training week for a rugby player and perhaps that Monday gym session would be pretty light because they're pretty beaten up. Now, if we can maximize recovery straight after a game and take advantage of glycogen replenishment and not restrict calories and stuff on game day plus one, we are going to be in a much better state and position physically to enter the weight room on the Monday and lift more load and therefore create the necessary stimulus and adaptation for muscle growth. So what I've seen quite frequently is when we put a greater emphasis on recovery post-match, really getting a lot of calories in this kind of period, your recovery is accelerated, and therefore you have a more productive training week. If you're not taking advantage of the recovery period um, after a game, and you're just really not looking after yourself, and that's sort of 30 yeah, 30 hours after a game, um, you're still going to feel like shit come around Monday morning. And therefore, your ability to train with a great amount of focus and intent is non-existent. And therefore, you're affecting your overall ability to build muscle within that training week. So if you were to follow the ultra-fast recovery guidelines, which again, I've done a podcast episode on, if you're to implement them, and therefore you're in a better position for come Monday, Now you've got three high quality weight training sessions a week and therefore rate of muscle growth per week is obviously going to be far higher. Um, So ultimately, again, it comes down to your recovery strategies being your preparation strategies for the training week ahead. There's no kind of, don't think of fueling and recovery as one thing. They are very much emerged together. Your fueling for one session is actually the recovery and the recovery is actually the fueling for the next um so super super important to take advantage of that uh without a doubt and obviously throughout that training week when we are uh having some high quality weight training sessions we're following normal muscle building guidelines right so four to five uh protein feedings per day whether it's meals or snacks and showing we hit enough protein of about 0.4 grams per kilogram every single meal to stimulate muscle protein synthesis and really drive adaptation and then make sure we're not on a calorie deficit um, because we know that's going to be rate limiting to muscle growth. And again, go back to, I believe it's episode two of the pod quite a well while ago, the muscle, uh, the muscle fund- fundamentals, as I cover all the muscle building and uh, nutrition strategies and guidelines there. So ultimately, long story short, if I was to kind of uh, summarize uh, this um, podcast episode is pre-plan your week pre-plan the month, pre-plan the year, pre-plan two years. You know, what is your long-term athletic development plan and where do you need to push and where do you need to pull for different aspects of body composition-related goals? Once you kind of know where you can push, where you can pull, then we have a clear objective for every single week, every single month. Um, And therefore, we're not reactive of... um, nutrition strategies because if we're reactive with these goals with really progressing on and kicking on with muscle building goals or body fat goals um we're not going to make great progress we can't be reactive with this we have to be proactive we need to be planning and then we also need to be able to self-assess and critically evaluate how we are feeling so then we can adapt and pivot the plan of action based on our kpis okay so yes we are going to have a pretty solid plan in place, but it's not a rigid plan. You will have some flexibility in there and take a few different uh, routes and roads to make sure that you're still moving in the right direction, but you are catering for your um, recovery, for your freshness and all that kind of stuff. Those KPIs we talked about, okay? So hope this helps guys. Um, And if you have any questions, please let me know get in touch jump on insta is the best place to find me drop me a dm and i'm more than happy to help you through this okay um hopefully you found this valuable um and if you did please don't forget to comment like and most importantly share because it's so important for the success of this podcast and i just want to get this building and growing and really get great momentum with it and this can only happen with your sharing and interaction um, because the more people I can hear it, the more it's going to grow. And ultimately, uh, the more successful it's going to be, and it can continue growing and thriving for months and years to come. So guys, hope you have a fantastic week ahead. Any questions, please let them know. But until next time, goodbye.